Louisiana Eats is brought to you with support from Louisiana Fish Fry, a staple of Louisiana kitchens for nearly 40 years. Maker of batters, coatings, boils, tartar sauce, cocktail sauce, and more. Dig into homemade Louisiana flavor. From our studios in the Southern Food and Beverage Museum in New Orleans, this is Louisiana Eats. I'm Poppy Tooker. There's a very special style of Louisiana food known as Creole Italian. This variation on the Creole theme began developing in the late 1800s when steamer ships ran round trips regularly from the island of Sicily straight to the port of New Orleans and back. The ships left Sicily laden with citrus and immigrants and returned filled with sugar and cotton. Those Sicilian immigrants loved Louisiana, settling in urban and rural locales from New Orleans to Shreveport. Gretna's Tony Mandina family is just one example of that migration. When Tony's grandfather, Paolo, came to America, he originally settled in Shreveport, where he married and had three children, including Anthony Mandina, Tony's dad. Paolo decided to raise his children in Sicily and returned to the old country with his fledgling family. But as soon as his youngest, Anthony, was 18, he beat a quick path back to Louisiana. On this week's episode, we're exploring the story of the Tony Mandina family, whose Gretna restaurant has been a West Bank mainstay for almost 40 years. We'll learn how hardworking Tony transformed a derelict barbecue shack into the gracious restaurant it is today, and the role that each member of his family played in making that happen. Those Mandinas are very special folk. Good, hard-working people who've made good in the classic American way. So grab a glass of vino, along with a couple of Cuchidati, and prepare to meet the Mandinas on this week's Louisiana Eats. Five miles from downtown New Orleans is the city of Gretna, situated on the opposing bank of the Mississippi River. There, on an unassuming street off the West Bank Expressway, you'll find Tony Mandina's restaurant. Since 1982, the Mandina family has offered locals a quiet, friendly space to enjoy delicious cuisine made with pride from their Sicilian ancestry. Originally opened by Tony Mandina and his wife Grace Blanchard Mandina, the restaurant is now run by second-generation owner Colette Mandina Ditta and her daughter Lindsay Marcel. In the fall of 2020, Colette reached out to me about writing a cookbook for her family's restaurant. To get the full story, Grace and Tony graciously invited me into their home on Gretna Boulevard. When I arrived, Colette and her parents were dusting off old photo albums, thick with four decades of memories of the family restaurant. So this is you in the kitchen? 
Uh-huh. Look at those beautiful blue Thank eyes. You. Everybody who comes in wants to see Miss Grace. Uh, see Miss Grace. Well, well, I work here, too. You know. Oh. <laughs> Look at that fox. That's me. Uh huh. That was one Sean. of those days when he would skinny old take his the, working on the jacket off and get with it, you know. Grace and Tony's story begins over 50 years ago, following Tony's stint in the military service. Charming and affable, Tony was a consummate salesman who put those skills to work at the West Bank location of Kirschman's Furniture Store. Meanwhile. Gretna born Grace held a job as a clerk at another furniture store nearby. I worked at Cavaretta's Furniture right next door, and Tony's brother Paul and I worked together. So I knew Paul before I knew Tony. And Tony was down the street at Kirschman's, and Paul kept saying, I want you to meet my brother. And of course, I think he would go after Tony and say, I want you to meet this girl at work. Yeah. At, and we kind of stayed away from that until one day he came to visit his brother, and that's how we met. She was working at her desk, and, I, and then I said, Ray, brah, who's that little girl sitting there? He said, you stupid ass. He said, I've been trying to tell you about that a number of times. So we went to lunch that first day. I took her to lunch across the street at Buck 49. Buck 49. <laughs> The two were married just four months later and would go on to raise three little girls, Kim, Colette, and Carrie. Tony continued his full-time job at Kirschman's, but also saw the potential to accumulate wealth through real estate. He started to purchase and renovate derelict properties, doing all the work himself. Though he toiled from dawn until dusk, Tony made sure there was always time for family. We used to uh, love the camping uh, thing, and we had a trailer, 25 foot long, and that, that we used to go out almost every week to uh, our favorite place in Buccaneer State Park. One fateful Saturday morning, the family was heading out to Buccaneer State Park when a for sale sign on a building just across the expressway caught Tony's eye. I saw this for sale sign on this cute little defunct building. Defunct building. <laughs> and uh, so I, I told her, I said, gee, I said, look, at that, look at that building. And, yep. uh, so I flipped <laughs> around and I got the phone number and we went on our way. I made the deal over the phone, believe it or not. When I bought it, I mean, it was bad. It, it, like they had see. weeds and everything. But, and through my eyes then, at the time, it, it was beautiful. Yeah, he could see things. You know, I, I could visualize and see things. Yeah. Every morning, Tony would rise at 5 a.m. to put in three or four hours of work on the property before beginning his workday at Kirschman's. As the work neared completion, Grace stopped by for their usual coffee break and the two discussed what to do next. Lease it, or, or we should sell it, or whatever. So anyway, we had a little discussion, and then I said, you know, Grace, what would be nice? Maybe we should open this and have a little restaurant. Well, and Grace, what did you think when he, he said that, And when really? he said that, he, 
he looked down at the floor and I was laying on the floor and said, what? <laughs> I had no idea what we were talking about. I mean, when he said that, I said, what do we know about a restaurant? And he said, well, you're always cooking and you always cook big. And we lived, we lived here. Yeah. So I would cook on Sunday. Oh, sure. Meatball and spaghetti. And then we always had friends dropping in because we were on the street. So friends would stop in and they'd eat. He said, well, you always cooking. Uh, yeah, little did you. I know it wasn't only about cooking, though, yeah. you know. Yeah. On November 15th, 1982, Tony Mandina's restaurant opened its doors, welcoming customers for the first time. The little building was outfitted with just 14 tables, serving lunch Monday through Friday. It was truly a family affair, with Grace's older sister Phyllis in the kitchen and baby sister Debbie working the front of the house. We had four two tops and ten, and ten four, four tops. tops. And the bar was, <coughs> in fact, uh, a little bitty old bar almost where it is right now. Little bitty old kitchen, no air conditioning. Yeah. Ooh. My kitchen was so small and I had one oh, refrigerator. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was crazy. To manage the workload, Tony continued to rise at 5 a.m. every day to bake the bread and make red gravy and fig cookies before going to work at Kirschman's. Once the children left for school, Grace and her sisters picked up where Tony left off. Paul's wife, Dolores, also joined the team. So the three of us cuckoos, four of us cuckoos, <laughs> We put our heads together, and we kind of got it started. Running the business without any restaurant experience, the ragtag team often had to make it up as they went along. There were lots of pitfalls and laughs in those early days, including Grace's brief run-in with federal law enforcement. The day we opened up, I thought, well, I need, um, I need to get some liquor on the bar. But I knew I couldn't sell it because I didn't have my license yet. So um, I had some liquor from home and put it on a bar just so it could look like a bar. And boy, my sisters and I, and we all excited, you know, we doing business. And the little guy from the ATF, Al something alcohol, like that. Alcohol, tobacco. Yeah. Fires. Yeah. Walked in, little heavy set guy walks in and he says, uh, show me your license. I said, for what? <laughs> he said, I said, for what? He said, uh, for your liquor on the bar. And I said, oh, I applied for it. I got all my, he said, so show me the license. I said, I don't have it yet. What you doing with all that liquor on the bar? I said, well, I'm not selling it. I know I can't sell it. He says, well, where did you get it? And uh, what do I know? I don't know anything about restaurant. Right. I said, I brought it from home just to show. He said, boy, he had another guy with him, started hauling all the liquor out of my restaurant, putting it in his car, and I'm going right behind. And my sister, Debbie, is right behind me, and I said, you, you can't take that. That's mine. It's mine. That's not, you know. So we going back and forth, and my sister said, you're going to jail. That's all she comes in. You're going to jail. You better keep your mouth shut. You're going to jail. I said, 
Okay. I grabbed him by his arm and I said, please listen to me. I don't want to do anything wrong. I did not know I couldn't do this. I'm not going to sell it. I know I don't want to sell it. Come see, come see. And I brought him into the kitchen and I had a crucifix in the kitchen because that was the first thing I hung up in, in my kitchen. And I said, look, you see that crucifix? You don't think I want to do anything wrong, huh? He says, you are doing something wrong. So, uh, but anyhow, um, he turned out to be nice. He said, I'm giving you a chance. He said, you put this liquor in your car and take it back where you got it and wait for your license. I learned about the, the Louisiana the liquor way. state the hard <laughs> way. Once the liquor license was obtained and the bar legally opened, Grace decided it would be nice to have bar napkins with Tony Mandina's name imprinted on them. Lacking the budget to have it done commercially, Grace had an ink stamp made, and the sisters busied themselves making their own. I said, oh yeah, Deb, this is great. Here we are standing. <laughs> the first guy that sat at the bar, he did this, wiped his mouth. Oh! I looked at Debbie, I said, he's got a black mouth. <laughs> and then there's the story of Mr. Petrie's pocket, a moment straight out of a sitcom. Mr. Petrie, a wealthy, wealthy old man. He would sit in his corner, uh-huh. and one day he put his jacket, members only, I can remember it so well, on this table in the back of the chair. Somebody walked out, and my sister goes grab it. She said, I think they got up and left their jacket. So here we got his jacket, Mr. Petrie's jacket in our hand. And I said, oh, Debbie, I don't know who was sitting there look in the pocket and see if we can say who it is. Well, there was an envelope in there, so we pulled the envelope out, and I opened it up like this, and I'm looking at it. This is a check for a million dollars. And I looked at the name, and it was Robert Petrie, and he's sitting right there. (laughs) What am I doing? Now, how are we going to get this jacket back on that chair? The many family hands made for happy work at Tony Mandina's. Every day, both Tony and his brother Paul worked during their lunchtime at the restaurant. Grace's mother, Odell LeBlanc Blanchard, was always there to help, while Mama Mandina kept a close eye on the kitchen, ensuring her recipes were being authentically replicated. Ever the marketing genius, just two months after opening, Tony began to offer two-for-one meatballs and spaghetti on Tuesdays, which really brought in the crowds. That meatball and spaghetti just went wild. We still known for that. People, they, they still come in and they'll say, oh, we talk, and then we say, yeah, Tony, Mandy, ah, two-for-one Tuesday. <laughs> two-for-one Tuesday, they say. Tony would eventually leave his job at Kirschman's Furniture Store to work at the restaurant full-time. Hours were extended, and as the business continued through the 90s, a piano bar was added, and the numbers of regulars grew, many becoming fast friends. Oh, my God. We met so many good people. Oh, yeah. So many good friends through that restaurant. 
coming up next, our conversation with Grace and Tony Mandina continues as we trace the Mandina family roots back to Salaparuta, Sicily. Louisiana Eats returns after the break. Poppy Tooker, and you're listening to Louisiana Eats, edible content for Louisiana food lovers. Louisiana Eats is brought to you with major support from Camellia Brand, Beans Done Right, a New Orleans tradition since 1923. Now inviting you to become a member of the Camellia Brand crew with their new box subscription program. Shipped quarterly to your door with up to 10 surprise ingredients inside, it's like having a Mardi Gras parade through your kitchen all year long. To learn how to become a member of the Camellia Brand crew, visit CamelliaBrand.com. Support also comes from Rouse's Markets, synonymous with seafood straight from Louisiana's waterways. Rouse's Markets tastes like home. And from Crystal Hot Sauce, made with three simple ingredients, aged red cayenne peppers, distilled white vinegar, and salt. Nothing artificial. Crystal Hot Sauce, how New Orleans does flavor. If you're just joining us, we've been speaking with Tony and Grace Mandina of Tony Mandina's restaurant in Gretna, Louisiana. Having no prior experience in the business, the couple opened the restaurant in 1982 and with help from members of their extended family, turned it into the legendary West Bank institution it is today. The Mandina's Sicilian roots make their story a particularly rich and delicious one. The family's ancestry can be traced back to Salaperuta, a town one hour southwest of Palermo that Tony's grandfather left behind in 1924. In 1960, when Tony learned he was to be stationed in Germany as part of his military service, he arranged to finally meet his Sicilian family. I said, Dad, you know, if I have an opportunity to go, I said, I'd like to kind of go. So, so what he said was, I'm going to write a letter in Italian. So he wrote this letter in Italian and to, put it to his two sisters. To his two sisters over there, and it was me and my friends on leave to Sicily. Sicily, yeah. yeah. When he arrived, Tony quickly learned what it meant to come home to a tightly knit Sicilian family. So we get to the 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 uh, place where he lived, and it, it was a stairway going up, and it was a little hall going to the apartment to my aunt. So we get to the doorway and the door was open and <laughs> she was ironing with her, the iron that you would have to heat up and shove the rod in for heat. And then we stepped in and she was just a little old lady that was very cute for an old lady, but anyway. <laughs> and uh, so when she saw us, she took the iron and she threw it up in the air. Ah! She started screaming. and. <laughs> 
in Italian, and uh, I said, oh my God, what did we do, you know? <laughs> she ran to a balcony, and she started again in Italian. This is my nephew from the United States, you know? Within 30 minutes, her apartment was filled with people. <laughs> oh. Yeah, we were like a movie stars. Oh. And boy, they started pulling out food from all over the place. <laughs> Aunt Josephina lived nearby in Trapani, about an hour's distance away. When the Americans arrived, another spontaneous celebration began. She lived in an apartment, but she had like a top that was open. We all go to the top and we all start dancing up there. <laughs> yeah, and all the kids and they, the, uh, their people, their children and all. Never forget it. Tony was able to capture his happy memories of Sicily on film, eventually sharing them with his three young daughters in the family's Gretna home. And they saw these old pictures. Daddy, is that you? He said, yeah, that's me. You got a cigarette in your hand. Yeah. <laughs> that was the only thing they could see. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, everybody smoked there, right, so I had yeah. to be cool, you know. And, and when I visited Tony and Grace Mandina at their home to talk about the history of the Gretna restaurant, the three of us and their daughter, Colette, who helped facilitate our conversation, gathered around photo albums filled with decades of memories. Oh my God, these are old pictures. So this is your family? Yeah. This is oh, so this is when the labor grew up. Yeah, right. They grew up, yeah. The tight-knit family's entire life has always revolved around Tony Mandina's. As Tony and Grace's three daughters got older, they began taking on more and more responsibility for restaurant operations. Kim was responsible for food purchases, while Carrie was the restaurant's party coordinator. Colette worked her magic overseeing the kitchen while dreaming of expanding the Mandina brand, developing a retail business for Tony Mandina's Red Gravy. Even the birth of her daughter, Lindsay, couldn't keep Colette away from Tony Mandina's restaurant. Lindsay has been at that restaurant since she's two weeks old. Well, I, I heard she came straight from the hospital. Yeah, right there, right there, her crib at the restaurant. She did. She did. Yeah. We, ra we raised Lindsay in that restaurant. She knows everything about that restaurant. And what a gift. And all three of my girls, our girls, they all love it. Yeah. They still love it, you know. Uh, they had uh, they every, still every go, one of them had they still a, go into it. on the menu their name. like All the grandchildren. Yeah. But they had dishes. You have dishes named after yeah. them? Mm -hmm. Oh, that's adorable. He always said, one of these days, one of the girls are going to have to take over. And I said, how are we going to decide that? How are we going to decide that? We didn't have to decide, you know? They, they decided. to us. They decided. And thank God they were so gracious about it. They all came to us and said they were a little tired of doing the business. They didn't feel like they wanted to keep on doing it. And so, okay, so what are we gonna do now, you know? How, no, how, what are we gonna do? Soon, it became clear that for Tony and Grace to retire, they would have to close the business. 
the second and third generations discussed it and came to an agreement. Lindsay appeared at her grandparents' door to tell them the news. My little Lindsay, my granddaughter, I mean, when she told me, she says, Mama, Mama and I would like to take it over. I was like, I came home to him and I said, you know, you're not going to believe this. The future of Tony Mandina's was secured. While Tony and Grace have embraced their retirement, during restaurant hours, they usually can be found in their favorite spot, Table 41, where they never miss a chance to toast La Familia, raising a stemmed glass of family heritage. Remember Table 41. And they can't take that away from us. <laughs> That's the only thing we own now. We don't own the restaurant, she told you. But how nice is that to get your family to own the the restaurant, you know? It is such a gift. We have been so blessed. We have been so blessed. Because if I had to sell that restaurant to somebody else, oh, it would be bad. (laughs) Yeah. Thanks to Tony and Grace Mandina for inviting me into their home and sharing their family's story. And to Colette Mandina Ditta, who brought us together. Coming up next, Colette gets behind the mic along with her daughter, Lindsay Marcel, to talk about growing up at Tony Mandina's and the making of her new cookbook, Tony Mandina's Kitchen. But first, where does olive salad originate? And how did it make it into New Orleans' famed muffalata sandwiches? Stay tuned, and we'll answer that question when we come right back. Poppy Tooker, and you're listening to Louisiana Eats, edible content for Louisiana food lovers. Louisiana Eats is brought to you with support from Louisiana Fish Fry, breadings, boils, new air fry mixes, and more classic Louisiana dishes available everywhere. Dig into homemade Louisiana flavor and from the St. Tammany Parish Tourist Commission, located 40 minutes north of New Orleans French Quarter along the shores of Lake Pontchartrain. The delicious Tammany taste culinary scene and an abundance of soft adventure attractions are among the many reasons to love the North Shore's charming communities. Find details on upcoming events itinerary suggestions, and more at louisiananorthshore.com. Here's this week's culinary quiz question, brought to you with support from Popeye's Louisiana Kitchen. Where does olive salad originate? And how did it make it into New Orleans' famed muffalata sandwiches? 
olives and the golden elixir that is derived from them have been a staple of Sicily since man first walked there. Olive trees are indigenous to Sicily and grew wild on the island before the Greeks introduced their cultivars in about 800 BC. Needless to say, there are countless salad concoctions that include olives, both authentically Sicilian and authentically New Orleanian. It's believed that the magical sandwich known as the muffalata originated in New Orleans at Central Grocery in 1906. The sandwich got its name from the round-seated Italian loaves that it's made on, but no matter what you call it, it's not a muffalata unless it's simply soaked in olive salad and the tangy ingredients that make it up. The salad is composed of crushed green pimento-stuffed olives and black kalamatas. There's often pickled cauliflower, carrots, celery, pepperoncini, capers, garlic, and red wine vinegar, all combined in a rich, beautiful olive oil base. Once those ingredients are mixed together, they marinate for an extended period of time before being slathered on that muffalata. Luckily, there are great jarred olive salads available on every grocery store shelf. But if you'd like to give it a try at home yourself, just check out our website, poppytooker.com, where you'll find my recipe for Italian olive salad. I'm Poppy Tooker. And one thing is for sure, olive salad makes for some good Louisiana eats. Hi, I'm Colette Mandina Ditta. And I'm her daughter, Lindsay Marcel. And we're the proprietors of Tony Mandina's restaurant in Gretna. When Colette Mandina Ditta and daughter Lindsay Marcel took over the reins of Tony Mandina's in 2020, they already knew their family's restaurant was uniquely special. Building on her parents' success, Colette grew the business by launching specialty items that offer customers a taste of her family's authentic Sicilian roots. While she and her daughter, Lindsay, have an eye on the future, they also want to celebrate the family's past, which was the inspiration for Tony Mandina's Kitchen, a new cookbook that shares the family's heritage through recipes and stories. When Colette and Lindsay joined us in the studio, I began by asking Colette about her experience growing up at Tony Mandina's restaurant. Well... There's really no division between restaurant and home because the restaurant was our home. Um, my mother and father started it in 1982. I was just 13 years old. I had two sisters, Kim, two years older than me, and Carrie was four years younger than me. And um, when we started, we were completely in the business, even at such a young age. It was just, I think, understood that that's where we were to be, and that's where we found home. And all three of you girls just stayed for the most part. Of, 
course, the elder sister took a little vacation to raise his son. Yes. but <laughs> 18 years. <laughs> but basically, y'all were there. We were all there. It was a labor of love, and sometimes it was a little bit difficult. You know, when we were trying to have a normal life going on, you know, with friends and stuff. But now that I'm older, it was the best thing, and I love it, and I wouldn't change a thing now. Well, you were in middle school when the restaurant opened, but... Lindsay, hmm. <laughs> Lindsay really doesn't know anything but the restaurant, does she? No, she really doesn't. She went to the restaurant before she even went home from the hospital. <laughs> <laughs> and then when did Lindsay start working there? Uh, two weeks old. <laughs> we had the crib set up in the office, and Lindsay knew exactly when to go take her nap. She would fall asleep at about 1130 wake up about one, what and then the baby. babysitter would come help me in the kitchen. We had the baby monitor in the kitchen, so the whole <laughs> kitchen knew when Lindsay was awake. That office was like my home because I grew up in it. I mean, like my mom just said, I had my babysitter would come there, and I would be in the crib. I remember taking naps in the office and waking up and it being really, really busy in the kitchen. So I'd just go back in the office and <laughs> wait until everybody slowed down so, you know, I could go back out there. Um, it's just a incredible memories. I mean, just it's a comfort zone for me. I mean, it's, it's more comfortable to be there than it is to even be at my own home. So Lindsay grew up and... Tony and Grace are getting older. How did you all come to take over the restaurant and become the proprietors at Tony Mandina's? Well, you know, that kind of evolved. I was always kind of drawn to the back of the kitchen. I always, you know, enjoyed playing with playing with the food and finding new ideas, and that was more my calling. Lindsay was always front of the house, always with those big blue eyes and that smiling face. And, you know, she just um, melted the customer's hearts. And so she was up front all the time. And um, everybody really got to know Lindsay, and Lindsay knows everybody. That was her comfort zone in the front. Um, I mean, I had my two sisters at the time that were still helping. Carrie was a little bit more front of the house. Front of the house. Definitely a little yeah. more front of the house. So Lindsay really walked a lot in Carrie's footsteps. She learned a lot from my sister Carrie. And then Kim, before her 18-year maternity leave, <laughs> Kim was everywhere. I mean, we you know we were there from so young. So um, you know, Kim was back of the house and a lot of the yeah. front of the house. And even during the 18 years that she was going, she worked Tuesdays. every Tuesday because we had the two-for-one spaghetti and meatballs on Tuesdays. So she would come in all happy her one day a week, and she'd place candy all around everybody's yes. stations <laughs> when she got there. And then when all the employees got they there, knew Kim all, was they working. knew Kim was working because she had, you know, candy <laughs> everywhere. So both of she them. She definitely kept the morale up. Oh, yeah. Big time. She still does she when still, she comes Because she still comes in and she goes around to everybody's station and visits with them. And and then it gets to a point where I say, okay, Kim, get out. we got to get some work <laughs> we need done. Some work done. <laughs> and that's also the joke. I mean, hey, if you can't laugh, you know, I mean, we do a lot of work and a lot of laughing. I mean, it's our life. And, you know, 
Lindsay and I had some deep conversations, you know, I guess about three years ago or so. And, um, you know, my parents are getting a little bit older, not slowing down too much. They still want to be at 41. Table 41. They will always be at table 41. Um, it was it was a difficult, it was a little bit of a difficult thing for my parents to let go. That was, and it still is their baby. And for even when Lindsay and I took over the restaurant almost two years ago, you know, and we bought it from them, it was, um, there wasn't that much of a difference except everything. <laughs> In I our mean, minds. You know, yeah. we knew the buck fell here now Yeah, between her and I. And before, the buck fell with mom and dad. And that felt a little different. Um, and it is a lot different. Right. But um, the support that we have from them is incredible, and they're so very proud of us, um, you know, that we were interested in carrying on, you know, um, the legacy. Now, there's the three sisters, but Colette, you in your own way have always been the forging ahead, having a vision of things. It, it was you who decided you needed to find more family in Sicily, huh? Yes. I was determined to um, to not only visit the family that was there, but to see what other family was there that we didn't know about. I wanted to concentrate on the Salaparuta part, which is where my ancestors were from. So I started researching online and found that there was still Mandinas in Salaparuta, Sicily. I ended up finding Beatrice Mandina, who works for public records, in the town of Salaparuta. That expedited the process very quickly. And the way you found her was through olive oil, right? Through, yes. We found out there was a Mandina olive oil processing plant in Salaparuta, so then I got in touch with them, and that's when I found Beatrice. And then Beatrice started doing her research, and we started comparing the notes, and that's where she found that her great-grandfather and my great-grandfather were brothers. I was really beside myself that they would have the olive groves, the olive oil processing plant, and then they had the vineyards as well. And so you've become an importer. Right. Couldn't believe that was actually happening. I have a restaurant in New Orleans, and they have olive oil and wine. So I didn't just meet the family. We became like an even stronger family. I was going over there three and four times a year when all this started. I mean, this was really, really a big deal. Let's start with that Philomandina olive oil. What's so special about the olives? Well, the olives are called the Nocerella olive, which is um, an olive grown along the Belice Valley in Sicily. It's grown along where the soil is so rich and fertile. That's the only olive oil that we import. And the Mandina family has owned those groves yes. for centuries, yes, right? Yes, they have. They have the vineyards as well. I've been there several times during the um, harvest. We import the um, Nero Davila red wine, and we import the Cattarato, which is a white wine. I was never a white wine person, so when I went there, when I was tasting the wines and I tasted that Cattarato, that was something really special. Well, you find the family, you start this import business. You already had another little sideline hustle, though, didn't you, dear? A little bit. And tell me what that is. <laughs> the red gravy, yes. 
which one is more my love? I don't know. The red gravy is something I've just always wanted to do because um, to jar because it was, you know, from my grandmother, um, you know, her recipe. One day I actually start, I just started playing with it at the restaurant. I said, we got to figure out how to jar this stuff. Um, that was probably about a year that we did that. And then I, um, I did find a Coke packer um, that came highly recommended, which I ended up going to grammar school with them. Of course, that's because we live in New Orleans. This is New Orleans, y'all. <laughs> One of the things that's always amazed me about you and your family is that nobody is a professionally trained cook. Mm-hmm. Everybody just has this incredible ability inherent within them. Your dad, the bread, the oh. red gravy, the coochie dotty. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, I guess it was instilled in him with his mother, you know, and he was always around her when she was making the red gravy and the coochie dotty and the bread. Um, so, you know, that was just something that he picked up, carried it along to my mother. My mother ran with it, you know. And then Lindsay's always watching as well. Lindsay, what do you consider to be your piece at the restaurant now? So my piece um, is definitely the making the customer experience. Um, Definitely trying to bring in a younger crowd, my generation, enhancing our wine list, cocktail list, making it a little more exciting for somebody um, a little bit younger because we've been there 40 years. So our clientele that we started with is now getting a little bit older, so then their children are coming in. Yeah, it is It is interesting because the people that, the families that I waited on and their children are now coming in with their grandchildren, which, you know, it's really beautiful to see, you know, the generations. You know, it, it really is. I had a um, customer in the restaurant just the other day just Friday actually and uh he was he was looking at the cookbook and and my mom said well would you like Colette to sign it and the gentleman goes oh no I just want you and Tony to sign it (laughs) and I said oh that was so sweet the only thing better than me signing my own book would be my parents signing it because it's the story it's the story of them and it's dedicated to them November 15th of this year, we will be entering our 40th year in business. And I can't even describe how thankful I am to my parents for giving us this gift. Um, I'm not going to cry. But it really was truly a gift. And sometimes it was difficult through it all. Sometimes it was, you know, easy. But... I said, you know what, I'm going to write this story, and it's going to be dedicated to my parents because they're the ones that I want to thank the most. But then it became so much more than that. Our customers, our employees that help make us grow. When I start looking at the big picture of how many people, how many things, how much love was put into it, I had to get it written down because I didn't want that to go unnoticed, I guess you would say. I appreciated it, and I just wanted to have it down for my grandkids and my great-grandkids and my whole family here um, and friends, friends that's been coming to the restaurant for years and years that may not really know the beginning and how my dad built it and, 
you know, in the, the blood, sweat, and tears that he put into it. And I mean, he's just, him and my mother both just so passionate about it. And now I look at the cookbook now, and I, I'm so proud of it. I really am. I'm so proud of it because it's so real. You know, it's us. And I'm, I'm honored that people want to buy the book because it's our story. That was Colette Mandina Ditta and her daughter, Lindsay Marcel, of Tony Mandina's restaurant in Gretna. One of the greatest pleasures of collaborating with Colette Mandina in the creation of her new book, Tony Mandina's Kitchen, was learning so many new recipes. Recipes for things I'd never heard of, much less tasted before. In particular, their baked goods. The entire Mandina clan are not just great cooks, but they're also incredibly skilled bakers. Back in the early days of the restaurant, Tony went in at 5 a.m. to bake the fresh bread for each day's service. That recipe and their delectable cuchidati were passed on to him from his mother, Mama Mandina. But daughter Colette has taken those baking skills to an entire new level with the addition of recipes that originate with her Sicilian cousins in Salaperuta. Have you ever had a Sicilian ice cream sandwich? That's breakfast material in Sicily, assembled with freshly made brioche and gelato. Colette's brioche recipe is included in the book, but my favorite is Cousin Beatrice's almond cookies. Imagine a pecan cocoon made with almonds and almond flour. These sweet treats are finished with a roll in powdered sugar, just like our pecan cookies. But, oh my goodness, suffice it to say, I've never tasted anything quite like them. If you'd like to add those to your holiday cookie selection, you'll find the recipe on our website, poppytooker.com. And for a copy of the new book, visit tonymandina.com. Although they originate in Salaperuta, Cousin Beatrice's almond cookies make for some good Louisiana eats. That's it for this week's edition of Louisiana Eats, edible content for Louisiana food lovers. Looking for some summertime fun? The last Sunday of every month, we're hosting a Poppy's Pop-Up Drag Brunch at Tujac's Restaurant. This family-friendly event includes three courses, five drag queens, and of course, bottomless mimosas. 
Reservations may be made online and by calling 504-525-8676. You can catch up on previous editions of Louisiana Eats on poppytooker.com, where we have 10 years of Louisiana Eats editions available for pod and webcasting, along with recipes and cooking class videos, too. If you like our show, please rate it on your preferred podcast platform. Louisiana Eats is made possible with major support from Popeye's Louisiana Kitchen, Louisiana Fish Fry, Camellia Brand Beans, Crystal Hot Sauce, Rouse's Markets, the St. Tammany Parish Tourist Commission, and from D'Agostino Pasta. Handcrafted in Louisiana from semolina wheat and air-dried over rods in wooden cellars, D'Agostino pasta is made just as it's been done in Sicily for centuries. Visit D'AgostinoPasta.com to learn more. Support for Louisiana Eats also comes from Gulf Coast Blenders. For more than 30 years, Gulf Coast Blenders has produced custom spice and dry blends for restaurant concepts across the country. Gulf Coast Blenders, dry ingredient blends with New Orleans roots. To learn more, visit gulfcoastblenders.com. Original theme music composed by David Pomerlo and performed by Johnny Sketch and the Dirty Notes. Big thanks to senior producer Joe Schreiner, producer and special projects manager Reggie Morris, producer Blake Longlinay, the newest member of our team, Kate Gotro, and to our business manager and social media maven, Maddie Mulladew. Catch up with us anytime on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, too. Louisiana Eats is a production of Poppy Tooker Broadcasting.